It's the Inglorious Pastors. We're back. Are we live? Is that? I mean, is it? Yeah. Well, we are back, Raj. I was trying that little thing called Mannequin Man to see how that would work. You know, sometimes when the light comes on and you're live, you're like, deer in the headlamps. You know, I thought it was funny because sometimes YouTube will just take your voice out. I just thought they just took your motion out. They just <laughs> no, no, no. It's not YouTube. It's Audacity that has the audacity to take my voice out. Oh, yes. It's YouTube that takes both of our voices out whenever it wants. YouTube audacity. when we are or are not going to have a podcast. Right. I don't think they're going to have one today. Today, they're just going to have a video. Right. With no so, sound. We don't even know right now whether you can fun. just see us or whether you can hear us. But we are the Inglorious Pastors. And we are in the midst of an apocalypse. The end of the world. Do you know why, Roger? Um, Because God said one day the world will come to a screeching halt. Right. That That's what I was going to say. Yes. Well, I'm just always digging back into the scriptures. This particular thing you was probably not have... listed by Jesus in Matthew 24. Okay. Oh, okay. You're saying... There's some impending... There's an apocalyptic thing that happened today. Oh. That tells me the world's ending. You ready? It's why I've got a Starbucks cup today instead of my usual Chick-fil-A tea cup. Um, okay, well, I'm dying to know, and then just... The, I've if never you can give me before. a date of when the, when the... It's not Sunday, and Chick-fil-A is closed before lack of workers... I just realized this morning, I'm like, oh, it's back to school. So all the high school students that were working for them in the mornings just went back to school. They literally said, due to a shortage of workers, we can no longer open until 10.30 a.m. Wow. No breakfast burrito for Bruce. That will affect a lot of people. No, it was weird. (laughs) Driving up, I'm like, I thought it was apocalyptic. I really thought rapture for a minute because there was no one in line at Chick-fil-A. And I'm like, is it Sunday? (laughs) I don't feel like it's Sunday. How could I have have missed that (laughs) How could I have missed? It's Wednesday. (laughs) And Wednesday is the day that we do the podcast. (laughs) Because the conditions are perfect. Perfect. But they were not perfect this morning. So I literally drove through the ghost town of of cones at Chick-fil-A and then saw a sign that said due to a a lack of staffing, staff shortage. And I know that's going on all over the country, but it's (laughs) like the first time I've... And it's trivial, obviously, Chick-fil-A, but when I say trivial, it's not because it it affects people's livelihood. Right. But there's other things that are... I mean, but what do you do when you run out of air traffic controllers? I mean, it's just interesting to me. Now we're experiencing not just the the, right. the Delta variants of the of the the pandemic and mm-hmm. all of that, but there's like this trickle down effect of little, like the transportation systems off. You know, even in Marlena's work, she's having a hard time getting things moved from here <laughs> to here. Okay. Uh, I talked to one person this week that said that they have a trucking company with 850 trucks, but right now they only have 800 drivers. So they're literally trying to hire 50 drivers just to keep. Wow! Just keep trucks on the road. Yeah. So it's. I mean, it's just interesting. So some of the the side effects trickle down of the pandemic, and it's like once you think you're out of it, there's this whole another thing that you didn't even see coming. That have even even at Starbucks, they're like, yeah, because of supply chain issues, there's certain things you can't get at Starbucks right now. Thankful, caramel is back. <laughs> it was gone for about two weeks. Let me tell you something that's not being affected by the worker shortage. All right. 
the world's longest yard sale, which starts tomorrow. That's the one in, that goes up <clears throat> Pikeville, Tennessee? Well, it goes from Gadsden, Alabama, all the way up to Michigan. Oh, n- So it's whoa. the world's longest yard sale. It's like 690 miles. I'm going to go again tomorrow morning. To uh, Michigan? No, to Gadsden. <laughs> okay. Well, it's so crazy. Wow. I know I've talked about it before. I mean, it's just, it's it's a fun cultural event just right. to, so you go, you know, I'm going to, so I'll go down early tomorrow morning, go to Gadsden, but then just you follow 127, and then, uh, well, it's a variety of, yeah, mostly 127. 127. Well, I'm glad you're cleaning that, my hat up That there. goes by Fall Creek Falls <laughs> and all of that. Right, Mintone, there's, uh-huh. you go, oh, so anyway, it's fascinating, but then it keeps going to Tennessee, Kentucky, and you go right on up Ohio, Michigan. Um, now, I'm just going to go through Alabama. I may Gadsden do... to Pikeville. I think that's what we But even it's... Uh, goes up just north of Chattanooga, so uh, Signal Mountain, it goes through and... Right, and that's oh, Pikeville. Right, all so the way. just above that. Okay, just there. That's so. where I've seen it, because this time of year, apparently, I've gone to Fall Creek Falls. Oh. And I'm like, what? And it's like the world... And it's like... On, Everywhere. It's just on big, giant, open right. meadows and pastures. There's people with tables. Right. Oh, just yes. off the side of the road, and it's no, just like pull never, over. And <laughs> it's like incessant shopping. Now, of course, I sell for a living on eBay. so Which means you also buy for a living. I buy for a living, and that's... Is it a buyer's market right part now? part of it, it is just a fun environment. I don't know. Okay. But that's... Now again, the, now there are a few places more COVID related, I believe that okay, like some maybe some retailer places along the way that may not be doing it this year or may okay. not be participating, but gobs of people still are. I have no idea. That's a that's a really good question of what the market is going to be like. Well, but it but it looks like there are a lot of people. Are going to be out selling. Okay. Well, because we know right now, at least in Huntsville, real estate, big time seller's oh, market. I mean, people are literally offering yeah. 20000 more than the asking price, just hoping to get in line, just trying to sort of get in the right. queue of bidding, which is crazy. And cars, we've seen the same thing. We've oh, yeah. talked about that, how that market. So, yes, I'm very curious um, because it's interesting, unexpected things. Like right now, the collectibles market is just going through the roof as well. Really? So, I think like a Patrick Mahomes card sold a week ago. Guess the amount for a Patrick Mahomes rookie card. Uh, $100,000. I literally have no idea. $4.3 million. <laughs> No, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> you're making that up. No. No, 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 no. No, it's, we're talking and... and it's just a weird thing in this season. I literally have no place in my brain for that. With I, my, with COVID, where you and so some people out of isn't work, that a whatever piece of paper with his picture on it. <clears throat> yes, it's possible. I don't recall that he may have signed it. It's a photo. Um, oh yes, it's no. like a it's like a Rembrandt now. No, you can't even. So like yeah. sports collectibles. I think a Brady card recently, a few weeks ago, sold for millions. Uh, it, 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 that's actually a market I would have thought. Oh, I would have thought that's going to go down. No, 
Well, I, I, you know, I thought during the pandemic, you know, your business would go really well because people have less to do. Everyone's shopping online. Right. We've talked about how I think that changes things probably from this point on. Right. But have you seen any dip this year, 2021, in your eBay business? No. But other than, okay, summer, usually every year tends to slow down a little bit. Okay. People are getting outdoors and some of that kind of thing. But in reality, I've barely seen that. And again, most of what I sell is discretionary stuff. Okay. You know, it's not need-to-have kinds of things. And so a lot of people, for whatever the reasons are behind that, they're buying a lot of a lot of those kind of things. So it's just, I didn't, I didn't see that coming, and I'd be curious what the dynamic all yeah. of. Um, well, I did, I did some numbers yesterday, just in terms of my counseling ministry, and I was looking at appointments and all that. I'm on schedule now, post pandemic, to have over 400 appointments this year. It was like 250 through the end of July. So that has really. You know, grown again, and and in fact, I was talking to some folks that I've referred to others, and they can't get in for literally months. So to, account, to get into a counselor. Wow. So Isn't a year wild? and a half ago, I remember all of your excitement about stepping more into speaking ministry, and I know you're still doing that. And then we had COVID came in with all its tragic consequences, life altering for so many people. For you, it meant kind of the speaking ministry went away for a while. Yep. But was that when counseling just sort of take off, took no, off? No, so, you know, no, the the COVID year, no counseling dropped from 540 appointments in 2019. Okay. That was my banner year. Okay, okay. <laughs> to around 260, so literally in half. Okay. On, in, uh, on During the pandemic. So what you're saying is it's bouncing back It's bouncing then. back. And I think I think speaking is going to make a comeback. Right. You know, I, I hope to. Um, hey, I haven't told our listeners about this really cool thing that I did. They're so, dying to know, I'm sure. So right before I went out to the Sierras, I did a keynote talk for the Speak Up Conference. Okay. Which had like 500 people all over the country. And I did a call, talk called Undivided, How to Disagree Without Being Disagreeable. Did we talk about I know we've talked about that on the podcast. The idea. The idea, yes. All we, that, all that we, being yes. said... Like 15 minutes after we finished the session, I get a note from the conference director that said, hey, a publisher wants to get your information. They want they want a book proposal on that topic because they believe it's so important. Oh, gosh. In this yes. season. The whole the whole idea is, and, I, and I've thought about maybe a subtitle for that, if I do it as a book, Undivided, an urgent plea for the church to return to the way of Christ. Because all I'm really talking about, if I was, if I was, if I was to sum up the whole book, it would be, be like Jesus, be nice and listen. You know, listen a whole lot more than you talk. And right. we're, we've been in a season, and I realize this is a talk that's been brewing for five years with the political stuff going on, with the racial stuff going on, even the pandemic stuff. Vaxxer, anti-vaxxer, masker, anti-mask. Everything's polarized. Right. And it's, and it's like one chapter I'm working on in my head is called, You're Talking So Loud I Can't Hear You. <laughs> mm. And it's this whole thing of... We're getting more and more elevated and emotional in the way that we share things, and it's not changing people's minds. In one sense, it makes them more staunch in their own position. And us more <coughs> staunch in ours. Sure, exactly. Right. Oh, yeah. The louder we yell... Are we is, talking louder right now? I feel like we talk- are. <laughs> well, the louder we're talking is almost like this very... It's a subtle intimidation or even bullying. Right. 
It's a, it's a, but it's certainly sending a very strong message. Yeah. I'm not going to change. I don't need to change. And I ain't listening. Right. And I ain't listening. <laughs> right. So, but you're right. What that does for me, absolutely, when someone is in that yell mode or right. that, you know, yeah, my defenses start going up. But this is what I'm seeing, right? It's just so much of, let's also just call it unteachability. Oh. That, oh. Can I write? Well, what? I, in other words, that's just... I got to um, write that down. No, because that's a great... This is me contributing to another one of Bruce's great talks. This is... No, but that's so good. It's unteachability it, because it says I have nothing to learn from you. Right. Because we believe different on one thing, I have nothing to learn this is just, right now, I just see us mm. more and more settling into a posture of unteachability. Um, and I read a verse this morning. No, yesterday. Oh, this is great. You, you can appreciate this at a lot of levels. Okay. So Proverbs 12.1, um, New International Version, says, um, He who loves correction oh, gosh. loves knowledge. But he who hates, no, he who loves discipline loves knowledge. This is Proverbs 12.1? 12.1. But oh he who hates correction is stupid. Oh, I saw your Facebook, I, I almost listened to it, your Facebook video. Is stupid. Now listen, now part I, of the fun of it is. We could never say stupid. We couldn't say stupid. When we were kids, and so I looked this up for the I, fun I of it. I bet you we could say you're unteachable. You know I what? think that would be okay. You know what I looked up? So I looked up in the King James Version. Well, stupid isn't in the King James Version anywhere. Okay, what is the word they use? Okay. So a New International Version has the word stupid five times and one in this Proverbs. Well, I looked up King James Version and it said, um, he who hates correction is brutish. So I looked up brutish and it said, characteristic of or having to do with a brute. <laughs> Which t- you can't do that. That's not a definition. I, I know. Why? Why? I, I want to talk to the Webster people. You can't use the root word in the definition. No, it, it doesn't help. So then I had to look up brute. What does season mean? Well, it's, it comes from the word season. Right. And? Right. No, it's just. So I had to look up the word brute. I bet stupid which came meant, up somewhere. No, it didn't. It was just a, it was a um, dangerously violent person or animal. So, either way, he who hates correction is stupid or an animal. Or dangerous. <laughs> or a or dangerous both. animal, right. Yeah. And I was thinking how vivid... So, the two things that hit me, first of all, okay, as kids, comically, you know, so we were not allowed to say the word stupid. We couldn't call someone stupid. Uh, but we then could, I looked and said... say brutish. <laughs> That's what you should have done. You, Roger's being brutish. He's a brute. <laughs> yeah, that really works. You're such better. a brute. Yes, it's true. So we didn't take advantage of that no, because that didn't. would have been. I remember we used to like to say dumb <laughs> because we could say that because it was in the King James. We couldn't say all the other words for dung. Well, the word piss was also in the King James. Yes, it was <laughs> against a wall, as I recall. But, but <laughs> I think that still was not allowed. <laughs> we still were not allowed to no. say that. Nope. So we try to anyway get those, but I, but this posture of unteachability, which is just a frank word. Just God says that's stupid. It's stupid because 
that's what blocks you from learning. You'll never you're in, and you'll never grow and develop. You'll never mature. Right. This is that. So hey, he, by the way, who, he who loves discipline loves learn loves, loves knowledge loves knowledge loves learning. Right. Which God loves. Quick aside. Yeah. Have your book sales like gone through the roof? No. You know, I pitched your book during the talk. <laughs> I did partly wrong because it's such an important book. I won't pitch it again right now. Partly <laughs> won't, wrong. Partly wrong. <laughs> Partly won't. Don't. <laughs> that's, 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 that's an Asian-American mix. <laughs> which seems entirely inappropriate. <laughs> okay. Partly wrong by Roger Martin. But it is that whole thing of, and you talk about why we should embrace that. Well, that verse says we should embrace that. Right. Instead of, instead of thinking I'm always right, which, I mean, we'd all like to write that book. I'm always right. <laughs> right. It's the Russia's right. All of that <clears throat> movement... And I realized, because I was talking to another client this week about family origins and those things, and this person also grew up in a family where being right was super important. Mm-hmm. Being right about something. And I'm like, you know, how, how often do we sacrifice uh, marriages, relationships, to be right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, just, I don't want to do that. I would rather be wrong and in relationship than right and alone. But it's that weird thing. Here's that weird other side of that is there's sometimes we don't want to be right we just want what we want what i mean is oh you mean we don't yeah. care about whether it's right or not right we just we want don't. what we want exactly so one of the things i was pressing into even uh, when I, was, I was reading this proverb yeah i said like, okay one of the reasons i hate correction is i don't like being wrong mm-hmm. but worse i don't like someone Telling me I'm wrong. I don't like someone telling me what to do. Right. I'll fi- if if I'm wrong, I'll figure it out myself. I want to figure. It out. I don't want someone else telling me. But then I, the other thing that dawned on me is sometimes I don't care if I'm wrong. It, it, my my the thought that it came to was like when we were kids and I punched you and I got in trouble. That was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Well, I didn't care because it was fun. I wanted to do it. In other words, so as much as being right matters, we're selective. Yeah. Because unteachability is stupid. Is a way of saying yeah. I don't care whether I'm right or wrong if there's a thing that I want. So this is where I, I press into even in some of these issues that you you've already brought up some of them, I think about the race question, you know, and right. <clears throat> I mean so many race questions. You know, is there racial injustice? Is it systemic? Uh, how does God feel about it? Is that something that Christians should be <clears throat> tackling or ignoring or whatever all of these questions I realize there are ideas that I want to believe the ideas that I want to be true that can keep me from pressing into whether they are what I want to believe can keep me from pressing into what may actually be true Yeah. what may actually be right so sometimes <clears throat> excuse me that throat's real funny today Anyway, wow. I should have brought my drink. I got my drink. <coughs> I'm keeping <coughs> keeping my vocal cords nice and moist. All right. So what you're arguing is sometimes being stupid is when I don't care if I'm wrong, I right. just want to keep doing it. Right. In other words, yes. And isn't that so also the <coughs> definition of insanity? We're going to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. Right. It's it, it part of it is this Yes. Just so 
yeah, go on. Well, I'm just saying, and now it makes me wonder, so what areas of my life have I been unteachable? Or am I continuing right now to be unteachable? And almost always... You almost don't want to ask that question. It's two things that can be behind that. Either I don't think I'm wrong, or I don't care if I'm wrong. The Where I'll unpack that is, I don't think... I think we can subtly come to certain places... I don't know there's anybody who's going to say, oh, I'm not wrong on anything. But how many of us in any given area? Well, when it comes to race issues, I can't be wrong on that. I couldn't possibly be wrong. Or if we just, where we've literally come to, or our religious beliefs, our denomination, our whatever, we've come to a place, we can't be wrong. I was listening to, uh, just even a conversation of people talking about how in religion there's this tendency for all of us to just idealize we we are the purest form. So if we go if we think about the church. Yeah. Well yeah, again it's very common for Catholics what you, we it traces back you trace it back at, back to the true church. The Apostle Peter. We're the true church. Well you look at the Reformed tradition we're the true church, but even within the Reformed tradition, well, we're the ones who carry the purest banner. Some have gotten off, but this tendency for all of us, we grew up with that. Oh, yeah. We're, well, our, we're our line, our Baptist the, line. This is where you, you end up on an island, and the island gets smaller and smaller as you continue yes. to subdivide the island, and right. then it's really just you standing on a rock <laughs> right. at the end of it. And that's that thing where, you know, and, and even the the point of the of that whole talk was... You know, if I'm going to be standing on any rock alone, let that rock be Jesus, mm. but nothing else. In other words, I can yeah. work with people across denominations, mm-hmm. race, even faith backgrounds. You know, I spent four years with Faith in Action working with diff- different faith groups to common purposes. Right. But the rock that I stand on is is that that rock of Christ. Christ, yeah. But I'm not going to make all these subdivisions based on everything else. The other thing, and I may have mentioned this, I'm getting so old, I can't even remember what we've talked about half the time. But I <laughs> realize... okay, because we don't have to have a script. No, I was sharing with someone the other day, I just don't, it's not, the older I get, the, le- the less important it is to me to have an opinion on everything. I, I can't have an informed opinion on everything. I, a, I'm not that smart. B, I'm not that informed. In other words, I can read one thing, in this newspaper or in this article or in this blog post and think I know something, but I realize there's a counterpoint to that somewhere. And it's not that you can't know truth. It's just that I, d- I don't need to have an opinion on everything. Right. Even when I think Marlene and I were talking this morning about vaccinations and not and yes and no and go and, you know, and I was vaccinated months ago, partly because I work in an office with, with people. And so Marlene is thinking about, you know, going this week. She goes, but I'm also a little concerned. Because you know we know stories of people that have that have passed after I personally know a story of, of uh, a gentleman that passed young post vaccination mm-hmm. got COVID symptoms died but mm-hmm. then others that have the vaccination get COVID no problem very mm-hmm. mild symptoms we don't know right and it's that thing so if I start pointing a finger well you are because you're not vaccinated you're right. a threat you know and Marlena made a great point this morning what about people like Bruce, that because I'm vaccinated, I could actually be carrying coronavirus in my nose and not know it, thus making me a threat to, you know, it's just one of those things we don't know. Right. So. But where we, but there, there's again another thing that blocks teachability is moralizing everyone's position. So 
again, where this thing is, we have a difference of opinion, and it's not just, so we could, or could we look at the opinion, we could listen and say, I want to listen with this person, why they believe in vaccination, why this person doesn't, but what so often blocks that is, I moralize it. So, I've already put, I stigmatize, I put a negative, and I realize, Bruce, this, I think, is a pervasive part of what went wrong when sin came into the world. I feel this pervasive pull to believe the negative story about almost everything. Whatever a group, whatever position, whatever, I just find myself, even everyday life, why did Joy do this thing? Why did Bruce do this thing? Why did why does this group? Or I think I so often project a negative. I so often project. Um, so I so I come to the vaccination question. One of these things that then blocks. Once I moralize a thing and and make it a well, you, a, you, a right or wrong, right, you baptize or demonize, right? Baptize about that. or demonize. Once I do that, it shuts down learning because this is not two people trying to figure out their way. In other words, this is where I just see where vaxxers and non-vaxxers are just more lobbing grenades or accusations rather than, I want to hear the reason. If someone is getting vaccinated, if they're not, I almost, I think I may have mentioned this, I almost wrote a blog, I perhaps should have at one point, why I got vaccinated why I waited, and why both stories matter. And my point with that was going to, the core point was going to be, what are the reasons, the key is what are the reasons behind? We immediately, so we'll just say that if, if people are against vaccinating, well, they don't love others. They're, it's automatic. Here's the story. Here's the narrative. Well, that happened even last year. If you're not wearing masks, you're killing, other, you don't care about other people. You don't care about, yeah, you're just a, um, so we're not at all asking the questions why some people are, right? I still remember sitting in a store with a gal. She was so apologetic, but she was just saying about a mask. She said, with my asthma and so on, this just so aggravates. Oh, I know another lady that, that would have, have a panic attack every time she put it on because she felt like she couldn't yes. breathe. Right. So what's the story? But what, and, and why do we always go so Why do I so often go to the negative story? Why do I first go to the... Well, they just don't care about people. Rather than first go to, I wonder if they have a health health condition. So, Roger, it's the difference between condemnation and curiosity. I was just writing down. We, we've lost our ability to just be curious. I'm curious to know why this person yes. thinks that. Curiosity's good. Right. I, at the end of the day, I'm, I might still come to a different place yes. on that thing. Right. But to condemn, this goes back to that whole Romans 12 through 14, disputable matters passage. Right. That's right. where I started this whole talk on this. Thing. And I realized we're disputing over even what matters are disputable. So it's kind of like of you can't even have a that's curious talk about a disputable matter because another way that's not even disputable. Well, can we <laughs> pretend just for the sake of you know argument that it is right. disputable? So I realize, kind of curiosity versus condemnation is a good thing. I think we're afraid if we're if we ask curious questions, well, people will use the slippery slope thing or, or whatever whatever the slippery slope is. We want to we want to stay off it, but well, if I ask curious questions, it might actually change my mind. Well, but that's the scary part, right? Well, yeah. because now I'm bumping up against, I'm I'm raising the possibility I could be wrong. When I shut it down, when I'm the yeah. one talking and talking louder and louder, and talking down people, 
I'm entrenching myself, but what can be guarding that? What can be is my own fear of being wrong. I don't want to open up the fact that I could be wrong, especially on something I'm fairly passionate about. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I've felt that in me before. Is, um, Oh, yeah, I, I, I feel it all the time. There's still things. Here's the thing. There's still things I'm passionate about. Right. And when I hear someone that is speaking from a different frame, I have that. My hackles go up internally. Right. right. I'm doing better. I'm doing much better about listening. But it, and it's because it's not that we're not going to be passionate about certain things. I just love that the way Paul kind of finishes right. that passion. Just accept others as Christ has accepted you. Right. My like, gosh, that just seems like a good idea. Right. Christ has accepted me. You know what? I'm partly wrong. Mm-hmm. Christ still accepts me. He's like, well, I can't hang out with Bruce anymore. He's wrong about these three things. These are important. But he doesn't. Things more than three. You just said he's, he he thinks you're wrong about three things. I was generalizing, Roger. <laughs> okay, I don't know if you're familiar with the concept. <laughs> I think the places you're wrong could number in the thousands. Three, maybe three, maybe. three is a pretty. <laughs> okay, let me go back and revamp my whole talk there. I can't be friends with Bruce because there's thousands and thousands and thousands. <laughs> no, of I would be cared just to. I would like to hear the three things about. you're wrong on, and then we're all good. Well, I thought you were my friend. Yeah. That's that's the first one I was wrong about. <laughs> and you thought this podcast was going to go 45 minutes, but we're going out now. <laughs> no, we're not. This is we're we're a 45 minute. Unless I'm real busy, we're a 45 like last time. <laughs> we're a 45 minute podcast. Right. Are we are we long form, short form, or medium form? I do not even know what that means. I think we're medium form. So long form is people that podcast for three hours. Okay. No, I'm just learning. I'm learning here right now. I'm a, listening. There's I've... a space for that. I I don't have a space for that. <laughs> I like your genre of five minute Facebook. It's ten. Face cats. It's ten. Well, you get five from me. (laughs) (laughs) You check out after. (laughs) So you'll love this. Roger did the analytics on the Inglorious Pastors worldwide. (laughs) Stay with me, people. This is great. The average listen time is four four seconds. So this is what people hear. Hey, it's another edition of the Inglorious Pastors. Edition? We're out. <laughs> That's it. Well, I'm partly wrong. That's partly wrong. <laughs> well, you said tri- you said Trishan a minute ago when you meant to say tradition. I'm going to tell you, for all that grief you've been giving me about the wing. <laughs> oh, and don't do that at my son's at a, wedding. Okay? At a wedding ceremony. Now, Roger, I've you- got you on partly wrong. <laughs> Hotly wing. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord of mercy. Yeah, we've got to, Don't let this laughing get out of hand, that's for sure. So, I think another th- humility and curiosity, those kind of go together. Um, I ended up, the, the talks that I did even in the wilderness for, I think I did like 13 devotionals out there. It's out of Colossians 3. Mm-hmm. It talked about, therefore, since you're holy and dearly loved clothe yourself with compassion kindness gentleness patience um forbearance forgiving grievances against that you have with each other and then put on the overcoat of love with which binds them all together in in perfect Mm -hmm. unity all of that to say i spent a lot of time on humility and on gentleness because it feels like it's something that we've lost in our culture and it's something that i i mean that i struggle with because again even talking louder 
raising my, even if I'm with in Marlena, if I'm trying to make my point, the more I escalate my voice, the more Marlena understandably checks out. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not, there's a gentleness. And isn't it what? Yes. Yes. But it, scripture says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Somewhere, like, somewhere in Philippians 4. It's good oh, yeah. And think about that. Let your gentleness be evident right. to all. That's just good. Harmless as doves. Yeah. There's a, a gentle... Um, right. Jesus wouldn't say being naive, but right. be harmless. Right. Now, that's an interest. Oh, well, we could spend a lot of time No, gentleness, there. right. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's one of the... This is when the Spirit of God is active in you and you're allowing the Spirit to bear fruit and you're not locking the Spirit down, one of the fruits that's going to come out is gentleness and another one is humility. Roger, that, that's that's how Jesus described his heart. Yes. Isn't that interesting? Because I'm gentle and humble I'm in heart. Humble of heart, yeah. That uh, Rika McRoy pointed that out to me in a, in a teaching team meeting they were in. I'm like, I've never thought about that. She goes, Jesus reveals his heart right here. Yeah. The only place I can remember where he reveals his heart. <laughs> Gentle and humble in heart. And now, I, and it's always been fascinating <clears throat> that the greatest person in the world, I mean, with all the oh, power, right. all the authority, is the most humble. And the most gentle. Asking questions, listening, um, and whatever that mystery was around, even as a human walking our planet, learning. And... Humility and learning go hand in hand. I think this, even when you go to that proverb, he who loves discipline loves knowledge. This is a humble person. It's why humility is such in short supply because I and we tend to hate correction. We tend to bristle. We tend to resist. But the humble person is just constantly walking there. Yeah, I'm partly wrong. And I could, so I want to be listening and learning where where am i the the, the a humble person yeah. humble and listening are impossibly intertwined you that it's why your best listeners are ref, they are humble that's if we're trying to if we're trying to even put a because it was always funny the word humility you know well what do you how do you know when you have it well you know that was kind of well one is you listen a lot yeah which is just the posture of, I don't have to control a conversation. Right. Um, I'm wrong on some things. I have some things to learn from you. And I'll tell you, isn't it just refreshing, particularly in our current, to have someone who listens for any length of time? Listens I wonder if sometimes. For any length of time, yes. I wonder if sometimes that's <laughs> what people are going to counsel for because it's a paid listener and nobody else. Nobody else much is listening. Yeah, I, I just a, just a thought that just hit me. Well, and what th- what hit me is then, and it and, and there's an allusion to what Jesus teaches on this that I want to come to. But so, what do you do when someone brings correction to you and you believe that they're incorrect? Mm-hmm. Humility still listens. Yes, humility says, "Hey, let me process that." <laughs> uh, but I just, as I was thinking through that while you were talking, I wasn't listening to you. <laughs> was thinking of something else. Yes, this, that's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. I just so love that. But it's this whole thing so of, long. I remember there's, there's been times where people have come to me with a correction and I'm like, gosh, I appreciate that, but I don't actually think I'm wrong on that. Or I don't think I've done anything wrong on that. And Jesus talks about if someone has something against you or you have something against them, <laughs> take it to them. And if it can't be established that correction is needed, bring a few other people into, 
that, that even the humility of bringing a few other people into it. In other words, if I'm just like, well, no, I'm right, and I'm going to correct Roger on this thing, I'm assuming that I can't possibly be wrong in this correction right. that I'm offering. Roger's like, yeah, I'm not feeling it, Bruce. Can we talk to a couple of other guys? And do we really want to bring somebody else in if it could raise the possibility that I could be then wrong? I could be wrong. <laughs> right. I'm happy to bring in reinforcements for me, right? Right. Oh, and uh, People who come in and uh, I know some people who will come in and fully... Take my position. And Roger, I've, when I've taught on that passage, I said, and when, when you bring two or three to the, so that the matter can be established, make sure it's friends of the person you're, you're seeking to correct. Mm-hmm. Not your friends, mm-hmm. but people that know this, this person. Because if they're friends, they're going to be willing to say, yeah, I think that's a problem. Or no, I think that's just the way Roger is. <laughs> I had a thought and I lost it. Because you were listening. <laughs> You were actually listening. Well, I think Roger I, actually models and demonstrates what we talk about on the pastors. I, I ruminate on it and apparently don't do it. No, I I am working at listening more. And as much as I've talked about that, or even as you noted, wrote a book that highlighted that, I realize still how much work that is. Um Particularly just the part of it that is open to learning where I might be wrong and then need to make a a change. I need to make a shift. I need to turn. He who loves correction loves knowledge. Who who loves loves discipline. Loves discipline, loves knowledge. But he who hates correction is stupid. Is stupid. And or brutish. Right, so... I don't want to be what I what I appreciate about that. British and, and stupid even means they remain unlearned, right? We don't think because they're unteachable, they remain unlearned, right? It's like you can choose to be illiterate if you don't want to learn how to read, right? But you don't have to. We talk about right. Mm-hmm. We might even talk about a stupid beast, or we might talk about dumb. They don't know, you know. They don't. They don't know what we know. But part of the proverb, we're doing the same thing. We're just being like an animal that just... Roger, Roger, yeah. that, that's it. Right? Here's, here's the difference between stupid and ignorant. Ignorant means I literally don't know. Right. So if a person brings correction, and I'm smart, I can actually know. But if I yeah. if I refuse correction, now I'm not ignorant. I'm actually stupid. <laughs> Think about <laughs> that's it. That's good. Ignorant means I don't know what I don't know. That's good, yeah. And but we're now all when a person reveals knowledge to me, and I'm like, nope, don't want it. So that apparently is stupid. So stupid is refusing to... It's acknowledge to learn. I could be ignorant. It, right. It, it refu- Yeah. <laughs> right. In other words, I'm ignorant of my ignorance. And it's the comedy. I've it laughed the- about this before. Is It's like we, we view ignorant as a term of derision hmm. or as a negative. You're so ignorant. Well, I could say that to the person in the mirror. You're so ignorant. Well, of course. I'm, I'm ignorant of all sorts I'm of things. I'm ignorant of thousands of things you're ignorant of three things but i'm ignorant of thousands of things i i said i was wrong about three things you said I, you were wrong yeah, no, i was referencing your book as partly wrong <laughs> and then you said you were wrong about three things and jesus was going to correct you on those and jesus, and jesus was, alone jesus was white You did not just say that. <laughs> well, I now, after it came out, I'm like, oh, that's ridiculous. Now we're going to... I was being Elmer Fudd, okay? You wascally wabbit, you... Well, 
We don't need that in a wedding ceremony. <laughs> we don't need it for a book title. We don't need it in a podcast. Oh, gosh. So whenever, wow. just a word, whenever you're officiating a wedding, you really don't want to say, now do you have the wing? <laughs> because me and my brother David your brothers in the front row, on the front row. <laughs> will actually check out and become an enormous With, distraction. Without even looking at each other, because I knew I can't look at David. But I can see uh, in my peripheral, he's shaking as well. We're both just <laughs> shaking. We're like, Roger just said, do you have the wing as a symbol of your pledge? <laughs> but I think at some level, part of our growth could even be the fact that you get to a place where you can laugh about where you're wrong. You can laugh about oh, yeah. mistakes you've made. You can lack, laugh about ignorance. You can laugh. And I have seen, I'm not saying I'm great with that, but I'm, I'm better. Um, and that's, it's uh, a sign I'm less stupid. Yeah, and I read a quote yesterday that I just wanted to think about. It said, uh, some, something that better, better failure, better a failure that leads to humility than a success that leads to arrogance. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, sure. that's a little proverb for, yeah. for our day. There are certain things that obviously you'll only learn through failure, but one of them is... You, you learn humility. Yeah, you're like I didn't do that right, right. <laughs> or I didn't do that turns, well. Turns out that was a bad idea. I did that poorly. I thought I knew <laughs> what was going to happen there. I thought I knew what was best, and yes. yeah, I've had some epic failures before. Oh yeah, but those those happen. It's real. The black spray paint can. I think we've <laughs> we talked about that. There was the Princeton Auto that I started and and. And I ran that corporation for two weeks. And, and it basically came to an end when I got the business cards and receipts and invoices done. And Mom looked at it and said, didn't you mean pristine auto? And you, no, that's not what I was thinking of. No, Princeton. Princeton. You know, like Dr. Princeton, the, no. the great car cleaner of all times. No. That's what I no, meant. No, Mom, you are wrong. <laughs> So long. <laughs> so long, everybody. <laughs> Pastors out. Out for today. I think we're going off early. <laughs> I am glad we could help you learn a new place where you were wrong. And where you were wrong was thinking you didn't need correction. Hey, and did you did you know that the, the Snake podcast, that one really had a, a spike in listeners? Apparently snakes. People like to talk about that. Well, it could have been the fact that it was 30 minutes long. <laughs> Well, if, if the average person only listens four seconds, I don't know that it matters really how long <laughs> right. it goes. We're just trying to bump our listenership up to eight seconds. Yeah. All right. Partly won't. That. <laughs>